Welcome, welcome, welcome to Walking Through Glass, the podcast. I am your host, Dr. Dina C. Brown, founder of the Leadership Movement, international best-selling author, speaker, and executive coach, affectionately known to my clients as The Catalyst, because I make shift happen. My purpose in life is to inspire, empower, and transform lives. I wake each morning with the mission to help you lead with confidence, speak with influence, and connect strategically by getting out of your own head so you can lead. And by lead, I mean learn, experience, apply, and develop. Walking Through Glass, the podcast, is not about breaking through the glass ceiling. It's all about the struggle we face on our journey walking through the glass. The fear, the anxiety, the depression, imposter syndrome, limited beliefs, negative self-talk, and other BS, you know, belief systems that get in the way of us living the life that we dream and desire. It's time to make the shift to clarity, confidence, and consistency. And today on the show, I am more than and beyond excited to introduce Rachel Ardenui. Oh, I hope I'm saying that correctly. I might have, you know, be a little bit, but as long as you remember Rachel and you know where to send her checks, I think we'll be good. Because Rachel is a Denver-based cannabis business attorney licensed in Colorado and Florida, as well as a wife, a mother of two kids, a three and one-year-old, a certified jazzercise instructor, instructor, law firm owner, activist, sister, daughter, friend. Okay, guys, she is a rock star, and I'm so excited to have Rachel join us today on the show. Hi, Rachel. Thank you so much, Dr. Dina. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> I'm so happy to have you. I was thinking, like, my brain was kind of going. I was thinking, like, I don't have to ask, uh, you know, how are you doing? Are you calm? And the season, I'm thinking, oh, she's a cannabis business attorney. Of course she's calm. <laughs> And the fact that, especially here, they've ruled that cannabis dispensaries are essential. We are essential. And lawyers who take care of cannabis dispensaries are essential. Yes. I mean, 
I was like, we're going to have fun. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to have fun today. Now, I know that's a super um, short bio that definitely doesn't sum up the awesomeness of you. And so what else do you want to tell us or let everybody know about who you are, what you do, and how you serve? Thank you. Well, um, you know, that is definitely the punch list. I think probably everyone listening and all of your other guests um, also have quite a bit of things on their plate and bullet points who uh, define who they are. But um, yeah, just to clear up, you know, a few of the background details. um, I became an attorney in 2012 back in Florida, where me and my husband are from. And then we decided in 2015 to make a move across the country And when I moved here to Colorado, we said, well, um, moving to a new state, I can learn a new area of law. And so in Colorado, they had cannabis legal legalization here at that time. And so I, uh, back in Florida, I was doing family law, estate planning, probate guardianship, and, uh, a few criminal defense cases. And basically when I moved, I was like, I'll do anything but family law. Um, <laughs> I'll flip burgers or babysit. I'll figure it out. But I'm, I'm sort of done doing the family law bit. That's definitely, um, I'm not cut out for it, but I know there are certainly amazing professionals out there who that's exactly what they're made to do. And so um, I've always been, um, you know, in support of marijuana legalization. I was a member of normal back in college. And so pretty serendipitously got into this industry, worked for another attorney for a year and a half, um, and then had my daughter in 2016 and realized I had a new boss who would um, who was way more expensive. And so, so I went off on my own and um, so had my firm as a complete solo beginning beginning of 2018. And, uh, at that time I had, uh, you know, like a two year old and, um, and didn't, didn't, didn't know it at the time, but was about to have another baby, uh, um, that November. And so my son came along November, 2018. And so just been sort of balancing all of that, um, you know, the firm, my marriage, my kids, um, and then, uh, I'm a jazzercise instructor, like you mentioned. I've been doing that since also 2012, right around the time I graduated law school, and that definitely has kept me sane through all of all of it and and fit as well. Um, but yeah, just sort of living the day to day. I don't think I'm special, like I said, as compared to probably all of your listeners and past guests. Um, we're gonna stop that right there. You're okay, I'm very special. Let me start. Let yeah. me just back up. I'm a very special woman who, just like all of the other women listening to this podcast, we are just keeping it all going. Yes, I love that, and I'm sitting here going like, I, and I know those of you listening are saying, okay, how does she do it all? And I want, <laughs> and I'm sitting there thinking that. Is it the fact that you're a business owner that allows you to be able to create this sense of balance? And and again, I can tell that you love jazzercise. I mean, that's you're not doing jazzercise to put food on the table, you know? Right. <laughs> Something like right. That. That's a labor of love for sure. Yeah. It's a labor of love and you know, and fitness, and you're still having time like with your family. You've kind of reframed, you know, what you're doing. And you have littles. Right. And that's what we call like anyone under the age of 18. No, <laughs> I, mean, I would say it's not, it's not to say that I think a few ways of put keeping it all going. Um, and like I said, I think those who are in similar situations as me, where we are wearing a number of hats, 
is that it really is important not to count up all the tasks we have to do because mm-hmm. that is when it gets overwhelming, right? It's like, what are the tasks at hand? And then the other part is, well, how do you keep going? Because you have to, right? We don't have any other choice but to like continue to be moms and business owners and wives and sisters and all of the you know instructors and all the things that we do. So I think it's just sort of keeping your eye on the perspective of things is really important for my emotional and well, you know, well-being because I I, you know, I get overwhelmed just like the next person, especially when you got so many things going on. Um so I just think it's really important to kind of not keep not, you know, tally up all the things that we have to do at all times and just sort of parse things out and take things day by day, especially in light of, you know, what the whole world is going through right now and everyone having to have to sort of move and shake. I feel pretty, pretty good about this because most of my, my law firm practice is transactional work. I'm not really going to court. Um, I don't really have to be anywhere in one particular place at any particular time, usually, um, other than like phone calls and meetings. And that I can pretty much do from anywhere. So, I mean, I feel like I've been uh, preparing for this quarantine type situation for two years <laughs> as wow. as a, a pretty virtual firm. I do have a, a um, you know a physical office, but I don't I don't have to be there because I can get most of my work done from wherever wherever I happen to be. Wow. And I mean, like there are so many pieces that I even wanted to touch on that I love is that, but the focal point is focusing on people ask me what's going on. I focus on what I can do, not always what I have to do and what I can't do. And by that, I'm not saying that I don't have a agenda of things that I know I need to accomplish. Okay. Right. I I mean, we know, we know we have to do it, but like, yeah, what's the one, two, three, what are the priorities? What? Yeah. I prioritize, but I don't obsess about that. Okay. I know this has to get done, but in my right now, this is the one thing. Let me do that. Okay. Then the next one thing (laughs) that's going to lead to the next one thing. And so that type of structure actually helps, but it's really at the heart of it. Like you said, not think about all the tasks because it can get overwhelming when you think of everything. And so I break it down to what's the one thing. Now what's attached to that one thing that I need to do in this right now moment, that's going to help lead to the next one thing, especially when you start to feel, if you're one of the individuals that get, you know, feel high anxiety and you don't, you know, you're not in a marijuana legalized state. (laughs) What mechanisms do you turn to? I hear you. You don't have any edibles near you. But but you have, you know, you have other mechanisms that are there. And and like you said, we all have a to-do list. Some of it is physical and tangible and other is mental. And oftentimes our mental to-do list far exceeds our tangible physical one because we're thinking about everything down the line and everything connected and for perpetuity. And, you know, when my children have children, you know, and all the silly little things, right? I mean, we talk about, I forget what the term they use, but it's like the invisible load of most women deal with where it's like, yes, I run a law firm and I have some pretty like high stakes negotiations going on and big picture stuff. We talked about how I'm about, I'm buying a house right now, like really big things. But then like, we're also thinking about like, oh, did I order enough of this from the grocery store list? And did I, is the cleaning, when's the cleaning lady coming? Or did I put the clothes in the dryer? Or have I have to pick up the dry cleaning? Like all the stupid little things that sometimes, you know, I've learned 
as an attorney and a business, a business owner that, you know, we can't do everything ourselves, even though we want to do everything ourselves, because we think we're the best at doing everything ourselves. (laughs) We really can't do it. There's not enough time in the day. And so I have learned like delegation has to be a big part of my practice. And that has really caused, I think, the perspective to be important as well, because it's like, well, you know, maybe I have this massive to-do list, but if I can put everything down and say, what is it that I personally absolutely have to be done by me versus what can I put in my capable staff's hands, you know, that also really helps um, alleviate that anxiety that comes from looking at all the things on the, the list. That said, I think it's a fine line between like what you can delegate and what you can't. And I'm constantly struggling with that because again, like we are super badass women who think that we can can and should do absolutely everything that comes our way, but that's not the best strategic way of getting to, you know, being a successful business owner, mom, wife, instructor, all the things. That and that, you know, that brings me to a lot of people ask, or it's it's very popular to say, you know, you can't have it all or you can't have it all. And I tell people you're you're both correct. And I tell my clients, you can have your all. (laughs) I like that. You can have your all. And if you stop trying to measure all against someone else's situation that you don't even have full visibility of, then that's what's putting you in those situations, again, where you're comparing and you're feeling you're not enough or you can't. And you're competing against an invisible wall that's still smacking you dead in the face. And so again, to what your initial point, when I think about tackling what I need to do and will I get it all done? Okay. Yes. But now let me define what all means to me today in this right now moment with everything else going on and happening in my life. And so that all is fluid as well. And when I started to reframe my thinking, my thinking, I thought, Oh, okay. Again, less stress. (laughs) more grace (laughs) and actually higher productivity because I was able to focus on what I needed to do instead of using all that additional brain space and power on all that I thought needed to be done or how I was trying to make sure that it was on par with what someone else was doing. But this required a lot of inner work um, for me and a lot of growth, you know, for me um, as well. So I, I love you know, I, I love the, the variety of <laughs> what you do. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. You got to mix it up, you know. I, I've been in a situation early in my career where you're kind of doing the same case, sort of cases over and over again. And I realized very rapidly that that was not for me. But, you know, when my career sort of morphed into working with cannabis, and although that seems like a really narrow niche to only work with marijuana businesses in Colorado and Florida, it really, it, it, it is to a degree, but if you, but when you break it all out, I'm doing so many different things for these companies that I, I don't feel like I'm doing the same case over and over because it's business startup, business development, it's compliance, it's business licensing, it's real estate, it's finance, it's, uh, you know, contract work, it's employment law, it's, there's so, you know, so many different areas um, 
touch on and are and these companies are are so much very much impacted by lots of different areas of law. And so, you know, I'm definitely not a Jill of all trades for everyone. And I am the first to say, you know, that's not my specialty. Let me hook you up with someone where it is your specialty. But um, I really love that, you know, over the past five years of only working in the cannabis industry, um, that I've been able to sort of build that reputation that I'm the go-to person for those sorts of cases. Um, it's a very small legal community. So, um, you know, being a professional and also, you know, realize separating yourself from the client. A lot of lawyers are sort of guilty of meeting their client where they are and then they wind up looking like a crazy person because the client's a crazy person. <laughs> I mean, and that's, this is not subject to cannabis. This is like across the board, you know, it's like, it's a where it's a scary trap to get stuck in because we as lawyers are supposed to be above those sort of smaller issues and guide our clients into like, what in reality can we do? What can't we do? What is a good strategy? You know, obviously with the client making the final decision, but you know, you really are as an attorney, we're educators to our clients. And especially so in my case, because the marijuana world, business world is just very different than any other business. And in cannabis, you know, no, no one that is in the industry has been born in a legalization situation, right? Right. It's, that will be the next generation, right? So everyone who's now currently in cannabis has either pivoted from some other industry, like me, I pivoted from doing other areas of law to just doing this area. Um, even though it feels like, you know, I'm a veteran now, even though doing it only five years, because it's just, you know, it's, that's the long as, as long as it's been going on, you know, for not much longer than that. Um, but you know, we've all sort of pivoted in and what works in other areas of law and business don't necessarily work in cannabis because of all the strict regulations and such. So, you know, there's a lot of education going on and I think, you know, maintaining that, you know, that high degree of strategy and education and, you know, meeting your, you know, meeting your clients where they are, but also guiding them to the right decision-making, having them avoid pitfalls, things of that nature makes me feel really good about what I'm doing with my firm. Um, you know, I, I wanted to touch back on a question you asked earlier that I'm sorry I didn't answer, but you were saying about, you know, do I think that having my own company leads to that sort of balance um, and that question of having it all thing? And I, you know, I cannot see a world as my, for myself at least, as an employee of some other company with as much latitude and flexibility as I have to spend time with my kids and get, do all the other things I want to do, you know, do teach my classes at times that are, you know, relevant to me and work best for me. And so I think business ownership has absolutely been the key to that flexibility. And not only that, but, um, I have made far and away more, um, financially as a business owner, then I think it would take me years to get to where I would want to be as an employee or, you know, especially in the legal field, I could easily make, you know, a, a large salary, but trade that away for all my waking hours for the billable hour, you know, grind of large firms that offer those high salaries. So it's a really big trade off in the legal industry, um, you know, in terms of making money and then having some time to yourself and, I guess in true millennial fashion, I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. So <laughs> got to build my life that around that. <laughs> I love, I love that. I love that. 
And that is such a truth is that, yeah, there's great financial gain to be had, but there's also so much more mental stability. <laughs> yeah. And, and then if you have a family, uh, and by family, some of you just have pets who are your family. I mean, just not having to go pay a dog walker. <laughs> to- yeah, you want to spend time with your dog if you have a dog. You know, you want to spend time with your people. Bring your dog to work. You can bring your kids to work. But I think that is so powerful that you make the choices that are relevant and workable for you. Yeah. And that's what I love about Oh yeah, because I, I want to do this. I want to take my I wanna, you know, have this. Here's this opportunity. I'm always seeing that there's something that can be done. And this situation, and even what I call the COVID-19 crisis situation, is a wonderful opportunity. Um, instead of always pivoting to shift. Yeah. And so when and the way that I, I like to explain people when I say, okay, there's a huge difference, and people use the words interchangeably, but they're not. They say, Oh, I gotta pivot or I have to shift. No, they're different. When you're pivoting and you look at it from a scientific, what a pivot does, or even you're looking at it from, you know, being on a basketball team, you anchor, you hold in place one leg and you spin around to see who you're going to pass it to before you move. <laughs> yes. And and in that pivoting, in that basketball, because it's much more visible than a little screw of a pivot, <laughs> um, but you're, you're still anchored in place looking around. But in order to make the move, to take the shot, to pursue your dream, to get it done, you actually have to take the step and shift. You have to release the anchor. And so for people who've been holding on to old practices, old systems, things that didn't serve, don't serve them. (laughs) Here's a wonderful opportunity. It's always a wonderful opportunity, but nothing like trauma and tragedy to get you (laughs) Absolutely, because otherwise it's just a really uncomfortable task that you don't want to do. So you're right. I mean, it's there's nothing like uh, outside forces causing you to have to make the shift. You know, and that's what and that's what I I like. And it's great if we could do it on our own. And some of us um, kind of process differently. So we actually take a look at what our own um, situation is, and we say, okay, yeah, it's time for me to shift. And other people actually need a much force. Well, you got it. Now what? <laughs> what could you what could you do? And I and I will I'll give this example. My son will be, he just turned 18. That will be. He just turned 18. And he'll be going off to college soon. Um, I just keep speaking that, yeah, you are going to the college that I know is best for you that you picked, and then now you're waffling, but no. Right. Yeah. So let's say I just say that <laughs> over and over again. But he and I were talking because he had a part-time job at um, a location that is now closed because it's, you know, public and blah, blah, blah. So I was telling him, hey, here's a great opportunity for you because these places are hiring. And your school, he's, again, they now have extended their leave until May 1st. <laughs> um, and he's a senior, mind you. So Again, they're messing prom, his senior prom, and all those other things. So, but we're not going to focus on what you can do. Let's look at what you can do. And I said, you wanted to have another car. And at first, I was going to figure out, okay, let me get it for you. And I said, wait a minute. You're going to sit at home. You can't go to work. You're not going to school. And mom is going to work to get your car. Not getting ready to happen. So I went to him and said, I said, hey, these people are hiring on the spot. 
because you can go work, you know, labor, you're big six, three, 275 pound lineman, you know, right. <laughs> and so he said to me, and this is, <laughs> he goes, Oh, well, I don't even know if I'm interested in that. What? <laughs> I said, so I said, what'd you say? I, I'm not hearing. <laughs> and he's like, you know, this car is not working or he needs another car. And, and, and for a moment I was like, okay, all of these change in my business because as a corporate trainer, as a speaker and events, everything shut down. So <laughs> my everything changes. So I said, oh, okay. I said, well, I'll tell you what, here's what we can do. Until you have a job that's paying you money, I'm not helping you get a car. And as I was thinking about what I was going to do to get you the car, I realized that I was not empowering you <laughs> to work for your own car. And I said, so here's the option. So needless to say, he went to do his paperwork this morning for the job at the grocery store who's desperately looking for help. Right, right. <laughs> so he needed that push to <laughs> shift into that to do what he needed to do. And, and I think that... For all of us, there comes a point in our life that, like you said earlier, there's tasks that we just don't want to do. And so we're not, unless we have something that makes us, you know, kind of do it. And so I think about his, my conversation with him and even my own life is that I've been wanting to do more research and more writing. And I never seem to have the time to do it on my terms for what I was passionate about. But now this situation of being home more, which I couldn't do when I was working so much on the road. And so now my travel is less and, you know, I still work from home, but my time is not, is more of my own. Right. And I thought, wow, what a great opportunity to shift into what I'm really called to do as opposed to just paying me. Yeah. That's great. That's amazing. I mean, I think that that is so awesome that you can be that way for yourself. And as a solo business person, business owner, I know that it is a challenge to to get to all the goals that we have, right? And mm -hmm. so, um, I have utilized in the past, and I'm sure I likely will again in the future, a business coach because it's the accountability piece. And maybe maybe that'll look like a mastermind group. Maybe it'll look like something else, but. I find that that is one of the hardest things is that uh, typically entrepreneurs have a ton of ideas. We're always coming up with brilliant ideas. It's just, when are we going to execute them? Right. Absolutely. And so as, as many goals as I may have for myself, you know, setting standards, check-in dates with people, you know, and somebody rooting for you really does help cross the finish line of getting those goals, you know, realized. And, you know, maybe this, you know, this current crisis is, you know, just like it is proving to be for you, an excellent opportunity to, for people to really look and see what the goals are, what can, what we can do, like you said at the beginning of the show, and really focus on, okay, well, I'm going to give myself, you know, these benchmarks and time periods in which to get these things done and, and making them realistic in light of everything going on right now. Mm -hmm. That No, that's, I mean, and those are really, really, really great. Um, and the power of the mastermind is something which is at the core of, of even like my, my program and what we do, the fact that I'm a part of one and the fact that creating ones that really focus on women, yeah. <laughs> women business owners has been so instrumental. And, but even with that and having that value add, and like you said, I, I started to say, what do you, what do they need from me? 
you know, and it's really that push being the catalyst. And I tell people everything that I learned about being a great leader, I learned from being Xavier's mom. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I just, it's wild, you know, and, and for those of my colleagues who don't have kids or can't have kids or whatever the reason why, one thing I like to point out to those women is, listen, um, being a business owner is the closest thing to being a mom that I can think of because, you know, you don't want to surround, you want to feed your bit, your business with good nourishing, you know, inputs. You want to surround it with the right people. You think about it constantly. It keeps you up at night. You know, you want it to succeed, but it kind of has this separate identity than, than yourself. And so, um, I think that that has shown to my colleagues who, like I said, either can't or don't have kids for one reason or another that they are moms because, you know, birthing a business is just as, uh, in time and intensive, I won't say labor intensive, but it's certainly, you know, certainly something that you're, that consumes you and, and you want to do everything right by it and you don't want it to fail. And that said, you know, it's still pretty risky to be a business owner, um, if you aren't doing all of those things and making all of those, you know, analyzing all of those things and, you know, making the right risk assessments and things. But I certainly think that being a mom has helped me. Um, like I said, I had Hannah before I left the other um, attorney I was working with and, and went off on my own. And that definitely made me realize a few things, you know, just generally the lessons you learn as a mom, number one, the moment you go into that hospital um, to, to go birth that baby, you are it, not in control. You're no longer in the driver's seat. There's there's other things going on that you just can't control. And that was, as a lawyer, that's really tough pill to swallow. And I didn't, I wasn't able to swallow that pill, you know, the the getting your hands off the wheel and not being 100% in control until I had a kid. And then I realized, okay, well, you know what? Um, there are certain things you can control. There are certain things you can't control. Do your best in the things that you can control. And you know, respond your best in the things that you can't. And so, you know, it's, it's definitely the biggest, um, the number one lesson in multitasking and juggling and, um, and just realizing where the bar really is. I think, I think that really opened my eyes. And I was very fortunate when I had my kids that almost all of my clients have kids themselves. And so, Everyone was so understanding. And I know, you know, this show isn't about breaking the glass ceiling, but walking through the glass. And I'd have to say that, you know, I'm very fortunate that the way my career trajectory has gone, I'm, I know I'm far and away more um, fortunate than a lot of other women, professional women, because I have not dealt with, you know, sexual biases of, you know, I've never worked with, you know, in in an environment where there was an opportunity for a male lawyer to make more money than me or be in a higher position of power over me or anything like that. Um, And I think that, you know, I'm very grateful for that, knowing that a lot of my colleagues have had to overcome a lot of, you know, external forces that have held them back. Um, you know, that said, just like any other entrepreneur is facing, it's always risky having your own business. You know, it's scary when you don't have, you don't know where it's coming from. And I think, you know, my, my recipe for success and I, you know, I don't know, hopefully someone else may benefit from this is, you know, I work hard at my reputation and I work hard for my clients. 
um, because I know my number one source of referral of business is referrals from current clients. In fact, I recently have been getting referrals from a guy who I was on the other side of a deal with him. So he's referring me over his other, over his lawyers. So, you know, I think like putting your best foot forward, being your most genuine self, you know, knowing what you're best at and knowing when to let people know that that is not what you're best at is I think just all ingredients of being a very genuine person, whether, you know, however that, however you show up in your business. And I think people really catch on to that and know that they can get a straight answer from you, whether it's going to be the answer they want or not. And, um, I really think that putting in the hard work, you know, going out and doing speaking and however marketing, you know, makes sense for your company. But then the other half of the equation, and I, I know this may sound silly, but it's the woo woo factor, right? It's the <laughs> believing it's going to happen, um, you know. And then it's funny because I know the imposter syndrome is something many of us deal with. And so often I catch myself saying like, oh man, I'm just so lucky that this opportunity came up or like, how serendipitous that this thing happened. And it's like, no, I put the work, I put the groundwork in months ago for this. And it's just finally coming to fruition. And I believed it was going to happen. And then it did. And so um, I think that there's got to be a good balance of all of those things of putting in the hard work and then also believing in yourself. Um, and I think the believing in yourself is where, where that really comes across to people in your, when you're your true genuine self. And so, um, better, easier said than done. Right. (laughs) I mean, like, again, I couldn't, and I promise guys, like I didn't like script that. Usually I ask the question and say, okay, what does walking through glass mean to you? You answer it. Which is what I love, which is like, I was like, oh my gosh, and gave specific tips because you're right. It's not necessarily breaking through the the ceiling because to me, the glass that we've shattered is our very own glass. The ones that we shattered in the kitchen, outside, you know, on our porch, whatever else. And so it's walking through it and moving through it. It's dealing with our own demons. Right. I think it's so important to look back and look forward too. You know, I've been trying to do a lot of strategic planning for the future and where I see myself going, which is so hard and uncomfortable to do. Um, but I think, I think the first step of doing that is looking back. It's like, okay, what is my five-year plan going forward going to look like? Well, what, what have I done the past five years? And I, it blows me away. I mean, every single day I'm like, pinch me. I'm a pot lawyer. Um, uh, you know, who who, who doesn't have a boss? Um, (laughs) you know, it's, it, it really is. It's, um, it's amazing to see the growth. And that's when I get hung up on, you know, my concern of my progress, or if I think that, you know, when you have those moments where you just think you suck and it's like, I didn't even, this wasn't even on the radar. It's not even that I, I thought about it and didn't think I could do it. It's that we are in currently in places now that our five year ago self did not even know that this is something that they could achieve. And so I think it's important that has really helped me become more comfortable with the the feeling that I'm the only one who doesn't know where what my five year plan is. You know, I remember dealing with my coach about a year and a half ago and being like, "Am I the only one who doesn't know what my values and my mission statement is very clearly?" And oh, that's 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 what this show is about, and once why I started because I kept saying, "You're not by yourself." Can can we really talk about the conversations that we should we we want to know 
because we go to these meetings and leadership things. I know I'm speaking at them all the time and everything is kind of up here and it's on the peripheral about what to do and how to get the job, how to hold your power pose and all of that. But it doesn't go and say, okay, honey, it's okay. Let's help you figure out. And you know, that you don't really know. And the fact that there's uncertainty and that, and those things Here's change. They shift and change. Like you can't just a mission statement is not carved in marble. You know, it it's going to change wherever you are and wherever you see yourself. And you know, it's it's just uh, it's constantly moving. And so that has really been a big realization for me. Where it's like it's okay to not have this path charted a hundred percent because we may be going to a place in our careers and our lives and all all of it that we don't even, that we can't even identify right now. And you're a hundred percent, a thousand percent correct. And in my former life, you talk about career shifting and, and shifting and pivoting is that again, my background was K-12 education and I was a school principal for nearly 10 years. Oh, wow. <laughs> I would not have guessed that based on what you do. You see that? <laughs> right. And, and up until only four years ago, this is new. Because, but, but here's the thing is it is at the root of what I do because I kept saying my goal is to inspire, empower, and transform lives. And I've been doing that for over 20 years and it wasn't the, what I, my, my, what stays the same, the how I do it has shifted. And when I decided again, when I first pivoted and said, okay, what am I going to do next? Where am I going to go next? And it's interesting, you know, um, that the millennial dialogue is that I used to do a lot of work with companies on how to communicate and connect with millennials. And they go, I have a millennial problem. And I say, okay, great. You do here. Let me show you what the problem is. And I say, here's this mirror. And they would and I go, just go ahead, look in there. And their problem. I'm a little bit of smart ass. I like, so that. I, I like your, your, I like that. Fact. And, I, and so I show them, I said, it is your preconceived knowledge and understanding. And they go, how do you get them to do the things you get them to do? And I said, I talked to them. (laughs) I asked them, yes. (laughs) And I opened the door. But here's where the, the, the super part of that is when I started an education and my first students who were sixth and seventh graders and now, you know, 20 something years, guess who they are? They're millennials. (laughs) They're my kids. They've always been my kids. Great. (laughs) And. I still have relationship with them. And so when they're telling me, this is what I'm struggling with, that I don't know and have all of these answers. So what do I do? And I say, you don't have to have all those answers, but here's what you can do right now. And I go, oh, okay, I can do that. And so I have been doing that my whole career. <laughs> so when, when when you encounter that and you see that, and I realize that, who am I speaking to? Who am I talking to? Who am I here to serve? It's not just, of course, not just millennials, because this is real truth for all kinds of people. But when it gets to the root of it, this is practical best practices <laughs> of what to do. You don't have to have all the answers, but what you do need is to have a start. So a lot of times people know the what, but they go, how? How do I do this right now? How do I do? Oh, okay. Let's, let's explore. And then what about the opportunity for infinite possibility? So I don't put a cap on your imagination or your dream, but what I can support and what I began to support is let's now break that down into structural pieces to say, here's what I can do right now. And 
be fluid enough and flexible enough that as we're going on this journey, if something actually shifts and changes, that I have my skill set to take to execute the new as opposed to having to start back from scratch again. I didn't realize that thinking like that was a superpower until people started paying me for it. I thought, so we talking about, oh, I never thought you would do that, but I think about what I did. I helped plan, create strategic plans for teachers, for students, design curricular, build dreams, fix your boo-boos, be your psychologist, be your therapist, be your disciplinary, you know? Right. And so I brought my whole self to this space because I knew people were like, well, what happened? Why did you change? And again, like I said, I had certain experience that happened that my purpose and passion didn't learn, didn't line up, you know, with my position anymore. And I thought mm, there's, there's something different and there, and there's something different for me and that this doesn't feel good to me anymore. It wasn't the job. It was the system mm-hmm. in which I worked but I still had the passion for the people and the purpose to serve. And so I had to get clear about what that looked like for me. And like you said, some days I didn't know because my vision is clear about what I'm doing. I'm called to serve. But like you said, and I know this from goo gobs of the years, when you were talking about that mission statement, every year, my school, I had our team revisit our mission based upon the circumstances, the situation, the people, the players and the stakeholders that we're currently there. So your mission statement is going to be changing and, and, and has fluidity, but your vision is what people kind of interchange and they don't realize that they're different. Yeah. Vision is more of who you are. Your mission is like, what are you going to do right now? Right. Right. And, and it's, you know, it's from, you know, it's, it's scary when you first make a shift, you know, and, that's why I think there's, you know, guidance is so necessary. But once you've made that shift, like you've done, you've taken your skill set and applied it over here now, and you feel that those are, you know, your your values are now more aligned with what you're doing, you know, that I've done the same. And, you know, I I can I'm remembering myself before making that shift and thinking such limiting thoughts because it is such a scary thing to do. You know, I had the benefit of making a physical cross country move. And when you make such a physical large shift, then it's a little easier that, you know, when you're making those other shifts, but for those who want to do like you did and shift your, maybe not move across the country and maybe you did, but if you're just looking for a shift in going from an employee to being an entrepreneur or, or, you know, shifting um, different industries that you're a part of, it can definitely be scary if you're not if you've not done it before. Um, but once you have done it before, that's the this is what I think is just the wonderful lesson of all of this is that nothing feels impossible now because I've I've completely recreated who I am, and it's still me inside. And I've used the skills that I had to apply over here. And once you have those, those don't go away and they don't lose value. You just have to figure out how to make them applicable to what you're now doing. But I, once you once you make a big leap like that, you realize that anything's possible. Well, I'm going to add to your like wow factor is not only did I do that, is that for 16 years, I lived abroad overseas. Wow. <laughs> and so when I made the shift, <laughs> I left South Korea in 2016, came back to California where I was born and raised but hadn't lived in 20 years. So... 
not only did a professional <laughs> shift, environmental, and uh, just for bonus purposes, got a divorce. <laughs> you shifted at all. You were like, I'm not going to shift one area of my life. I'm shifting everything. <laughs> everything. And, and, and in all honesty and full transparency is that I didn't realize it until months later when the reality set in, kind of like you said, like, what, what, who am I, what am I doing? Is that I went through what I call a transitional depression mm-hmm. because I was like, okay, who am I outside of K-12? Who is Dr. Brown outside of that? Because PhD doctors don't always translate the same outside of academia mm-hmm. go into more of a corporate corporate space or like I said, in a coaching space and whatever. Now my background was business before I decided to shift into, you know, education early on in my career. And so how did I marry, the, how do I marry the two? You know, how do I, you know, people are like, well, gosh, how do you do such, how can you come in and help me X, Y, Z? And I said, well, I'm an operations strategist. Do you understand that? I've done that for 20 years. That's what educators do and school principals do constantly. You're all of those things. And I said, and now when I see and I think outside the box and, and all those other pieces to me, but what you said just resonates to me the most is that how do you get to that space? And when you're in that space of going, okay, I got to get comfortable with the fact that I don't have and know all the answers because what I'm doing, there's really no precedent for it. That I am actually the trailblazer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> My whole industry is that. So yes. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, you know, it, it really is. I mean, and, and, and there's how nothing do wrong I- with that, right? I mean, so, so many of those people that we look at in corporate America uh, as success stories we're building the plane as they were flying it, just like just like all of us are. You know, it just depends on how big your scale is. So I think the fear is that like no one knows what I'm doing, what I'm going through. You know, I'm I'm facing all these giant challenges, and it's you know the the crazy thing about it is that you know your community, your neighbors, your colleagues are likely all going through the same thing, but just coping in different ways and sharing it in different ways. So that's why I said that's why I said I love that concept of you know, walking through the glass. And I didn't share this like earlier in the, the conversation because we got into such really good, so good. Of course, I, I said, I'm going to even have to even restructure the time. Like each time this, the conversations are so great that I'm always going over time. <laughs> but it's like, okay, but this is real good stuff. But the, the piece about the why it's named walking through glass and what that actually symbolizes, what it symbolized for me. What it symbolizes for you is what it symbolizes for you. And I encourage you as a listener to think about what does that look like and you know, and shattering that. And as I've been asking this question across different um, discussions and conscious conversations, I've gotten some amazing pieces. But for me, um, the work that I do and have done as like an executive, as an executive coach and a strategist is that I'm working with some amazing people, women and teams, and they're standing on the front lines being the biggest badass rockstar you can imagine. But our sessions following is dealing with their fears, their anxiety. Am I enough imposter syndrome? And am I still a good mom? I miss my child. You know, right. <laughs> how do I? still be there for everybody and be there for myself. And we were spending a lot of time navigating that. And so for me, 
And, and how do I still, and even if I want to change, I want to do something new. And I said, okay, you're now in the C-suite. You have the corner office, you have the title, you may even have the company, but how are you navigating everything that comes with it in the space? And so if if I said, tell me how to do the task, right? You're great. But then all of that emotional, psychological and subconscious, um, I guess, residue (laughs) that I'm dealing with questioning myself is what um, I do. I said, after I finished walking through glass, the guidebook, which will be out later this year, my next book that I've started working on is called shut up Heffa. (laughs) 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 Because that inner critic, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's the the worst. It's the worst. (laughs) We'll start talking to you. And I think that when I, when I started to do the work and transfer my skills. And I think about what I loved about what I always have done as an educator is to teach in this space and to, and to really make sure that I'm that beacon of hope and light. It might sound corny, but it's my truth is that it was, how do you do this? What diva hacks, what are the strategies can I give you? And I mean, practical, practical, actionable items that you could actually do and I realized that that's the work that I wanted to focus on. I want to deal with the woman first and all those secondary roles later, because in doing the work as the woman, what it does is it positions you to truly be a badass in all the other areas. Right. And, and those things that's tend to fall in place once you can work it out. Once you can work it out and, and know that you give yourself grace when necessary and you use gratitude as an instrument <laughs> to help you um, move the needle um, forward um, to do that. And so that's part of what walking through glass, the podcast is here for is to provide, that's what I said, your store, our stories are, there's magic in our stories. There's transformation in our stories to say, I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> it, am I the only, like you said, am I the only one that doesn't know? No, you're not. No, we're all just figuring it out. We're all just figuring it out. But guess how powerful it is when we begin to share that and guess how liberating and freeing it is to know that. And it allows me to give myself grace because when I am operating from a fear frequency, everything is blocked. I can't even think. Right. So true. It so, paralyzes so that's you. Yeah. It paralyzes you. So that's what um, has been such an amazing, I mean, like this has been such an amazing conscience conversation. I mean, there, there's so many like nuggets in there that I can't wait to even listen back myself. And there's so much richness um, to it and quite, quite a few tweetables and definitely some things to make you chuckle and smile. But at the end of the day, to let you know that you're not by yourself in this and on this journey, you're definitely not alone. And so that's what I love. And before we kind of wrap up and close and thank you all for listening and staying tuned. Um, and that I know if I would have stopped at 30 minutes, you would have missed all this yumminess. <laughs> so thank you for, for, for staying with us. And I, and I know that you got something that you could use, but I want to ask Rachel before we um, check off, what would be like that final takeaway of the best advice you can give our listeners to be able to make the shift or to move right now? Mm. Well, I think, I think my answer would be different if you, we had this podcast a month or two ago before the crisis that we're facing right now, 
But I think because we're in the middle of it, I think it's a necessary component of my answer, which is not one human being is not going to be affected by what's going on. And so that has really made me realize that it is a level playing field. Um, you know, back when I did litigation in Florida, whenever I would get really nervous before going to court, my mentor would say, stomp your foot before you go into that comp- that that <laughs> courtroom. <laughs> and, or, you know, just little things to think about, like, oh, you know, that that judge lives in our neighborhood. You know, they're they're no different than you or me. We're all human beings and we all you know, there has to be a level playing field and you have to get that sort of mindset going before you can make that shift because otherwise, you know, we are always saddled with that, that heifer, right. Who wants to just tell you that you don't have what it takes. And so I think getting your mindset right to realize that you are no worse off or better off than anyone as it relates to the decisions you have before you, And that there's no time like the present, especially in light of things that are going on in the world that everyone is facing to, you know, put your most, your best effort and your most positive self forward to, to realize those things. And that if in the, if in the event you fall short of your goals, that that is not a failure and that it is just yet another step along the way of getting there, getting to where you, you find yourself needing to be or should be. So I think really getting your mindset right and realizing that, you know, the, they called on you because of your amazing qualities and what you bring to the table. And it's not just serendipity in your life. It's you've put in the hard work you're, you put, you believed in yourself and then you made it happen. I think that, is the, one of the most powerful things you can do to set the change in motion. Ooh, that is so good. Did I get, <laughs> did I get it right? <laughs> oh my gosh, like it's so good. It's like, it's like beyond, because there's so much goodness like here. And then I said, okay, my ones that tend to go long, I said, I'm going to make those my special reports. <laughs> so it's like, there we go. It's so great stuff. And like I said, it's that these are the types of conversations that I hope you're having. And if you're not, then definitely tune in, you know, to walking through glass. And if you have certain topics um, that you would love to see, or maybe better yet, you want to have a conscious conversation, definitely you'll let me know. But more importantly, for everybody listening, I definitely want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to Walking Through Glass, the podcast. And my final thought is the final thought that For me, every time I say it, every time I share it, I get another takeaway from it. And so you can find your own, you know, starting thought, final thought. But this is mine for you and for me is know that you have the power and the authority to transform your situation. So get clear about what you really want, which will lead to you being confident about who you are called to be and allow you to stay consistent on how you are called to serve. And every time I think about that, I realize that this isn't a life sentence. It's a seasonal declaration. And so that there is some change to that. And in light of everything that we talked about on the show today, you can see that it's you're always evolving and shifting over time, you know, to do that. And just know that you are definitely not alone. So until next time, I'm walking through Glad the podcast. I am going to sign off. And Rachel was so, I mean, I appreciate everything that she shared um, with us. And you will find how to connect 
uh, with Rachel in the comments and everything like that. But before I definitely clicked off, I wanted to make sure, did we check? Because I, I mean, like I said, I got so caught up in the conversation. I'm thinking, wait a minute, how do we find more and get more awesomeness from Rachel? All right, Rachel, how do we like, you can connect with you? Find me. Well, you can find me in Jazzercise class. <laughs> if you want an hour of my undivided attention. Um, otherwise, my my law firm is rzalegal.com. You can get my um, you know, links to my Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram on there. And um, yeah, you can find me in Colorado and Florida. Um, <laughs> helping all this cannabis industry move forward in a responsible, sensible manner, and uh, and probably with a three and a one year old in tow. <laughs> oh, I love it! I love it! I love it! I love it! Oh my gosh, so amazing! Thank you, thank you, thank you for being such a phenomenal guest, and and also for what you do and such the the rock star awesome. <laughs> playing music that we all can actually um, enjoy. So thank you again. And until next time, guys, this has been Walking Through Glass, the podcast, and we'll catch you later. Bye-bye. I don't know why the ending.